wellness revolution starts now. Welcome, I'm Dr. Steve Hoetze, and welcome to today's program. I have with me our physician's assistant, Jason Gerlos here, who's an associate and colleague of mine and our other um, other practitioners here at the Hoetze Health and Wellness Center. And we want to discuss with you a syndrome that has been, over the last 20 years, been amplified and uh, used really as a catch-all for a number of different underlying disorders. And this is ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder, or it's also known as ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Now, mind you, whenever you, that that is oftentimes used as the diagnosis, but in reality, a diag- that just tells you what the symptoms are. A diagnosis tells you the underlying cause of a, a syndrome or a symptom. So if a person has attention deficit or hyperactivity disorder, there's an underlying cause of that. And that's what we want to visit with you today uh, about, uh, about these underlying causes that can lead people to not be able to function at optimal levels, either as children or young adults or as adults. So, uh, Jason, tell us, uh, tell us about ADD and your take on ADDH. So ADHD is, as Dr. Tonsi mentioned, a medical disorder, a syndrome, and it's affected by several environmental factors or neurologic factors, nutritional factors, um, and so and hormonal, and, and, and hormonal, hormonal factors. genetic factors. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really an imbalanced brain that manifests as imbalanced behavior. And so that behavior predominantly comes in a couple different types or three different types to be precise. There's pre- predominantly inattentive um, ADHD, there's hyperactive ADHD, and there's a, a mixed type of ADHD. And so those factors that um, we believe are most contributory are um, nutritional deficiencies, um, toxicities. And, and let's talk about the mention of toxicities. When you say toxicities, what type of toxicities could cause people to um, have, have, uh, hyper, uh, have you know, hyperactivity or inability to, to focus or concentrate? Um, so um, when you think about environmental toxins, uh, predominantly we're talking about environmental pollution. We know that children who live in cities have a much higher prevalence of developing ADHD than children who live in the country. And that could be, you know, there's a variety of factors at play there. But also um, people are very familiar with the endocrine disruptor toxin that's in plastics, BPA. So children who have the highest levels of BPA in their blood have about four times the incidence of ADHD than and you other would get, children. And you would get that from drinking water out of plastic or drinking soda water out of plastic Correct. bottles. Correct. You also think about um, vaccinations. You know, uh, there's a variety of different chemicals that are in vaccines, preservatives. There's adjuvants that are supposed to incite the immune system. And we know that an incited immune system um, is one that generates inflammation. We un- Underlying all chronic diseases, inflammation is one of the major issues there. Um, and then we're also talking about 
herbicides, pesticides, fungicides that um, cause imbalance in uh, the microbiota in the gastrointestinal tract. We've heard of all heard of probiotics and things like that. Um, when and, and some of the toxicities can be seemingly as innocuous as sugar. So sugar in greater quantities has been associated with ADHD. And not only that, but we know that sugar feeds candida, which is an overgrowth of yeast and, and or fungus in our gastrointestinal tract, which generates inflammation. And there's a profound connection between the gut and the brain by directional communication. There's actually been said that there's more information that comes from your gut to your brain than from your brain to your gut. That's where we have the old expression, I've got a gut feeling. Have right. you heard that? I have. And, the, and it's funny that people have said that for years, not really realizing uh, and, and not knowing what we know now, that a tremendous amount, in fact, I think 90% of the serotonin is made in your gut mm -hmm. by the bacteria. That's correct. And that's, mm -hmm. a neuro, that's considered a, a brain neurotransmitter, but it's made in the gut. So if you've ever had that gut feeling, or as you women may say, a woman's intuition, mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's happening right here in the gut because that's, uh, it's producing these neurotransmitters in your gut that affect the way you behave. One of the other things that people don't necessarily think Excuse about Excuse me, is, that's why. Uh, have you ever heard somebody, uh, uh, I used to have a lady that worked there, and she used to say, I'm just hangry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not hungry, hangry. She mm. get, When she didn't get the proper food, she was angry. She had anger. Correct. And another toxin that people don't necessarily think of as a toxin is the time spent on screens. Um, television, computers, gaming, uh, those actually sort of pollute the brain and, and they create an, an artificial environment that's much more stimulating than the, the actual environment that children are supposed to be learning in and things. And one of the predominant problems with ADHD is that um, kids can become actually hyper-focused, but they're hyper-focused on the things that they enjoy and they, to the detriment of learning the things that they don't necessarily enjoy. And so when they're constantly stimulated and then moved into an environment where they're no longer stimulated, stimulated. to that same degree, they can, act they, to, they can act out or have very significant problems with inattention. And, and that has to do with that neurotransmitter dopamine, which is that it's, it's not it's not just a pleasure-seeking molecule, but it's also um, a, a novelty. It's a molecule, molecule involved in novelty. And if you don't provide novelty for that person, there's the potential that they're just gonna zone out and not pay attention. So that toxicity, um, these are non-traditional thoughts about toxicity and result, in, and it's a result in um, neuroatypia, which is. And, and as we had talked earlier about vaccines, currently on the schedule, the CDC has for children before they reach 18 years of age or somewhere in that order, and primarily it's young children, they really receive somewhere on the order of 72 vaccines, different vaccines in their early childhood life. And those vaccines contain toxic chemicals and had in some cases contained mercury, mm -hmm. thimerosal, and a number, number of other chemicals. Nobody ever asks what's in them. And you can go and read the patents. You can find out you've got all kinds of of um, protein-based products in these in these vaccines, they're called adjuvants too, like thimerosal, which is which is uh, mercury, a type of mercury. But some of them even have aluminum in it, and these sort of things. And they're adjuvants. They're supposed to stimulate the immune system to make more antibodies. But 
these are all transmitted across the the blood-brain barrier, and they get into the brain, and they can have adverse effect on brain function. So there is this controversy uh, among conventional doctors and those that do natural approaches to medicine over the cause of autism. 20, 30 years ago, I think it was 1980, so that would give us about 40 years ago, one in somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000 children would be diagnosed with autism. Currently now, it's one in 36 children are diagnosed with autism. And autism is a, it's a brain disorder where children don't function well or socially uh, in society and, and, uh, and they can have a, they have a host of problems growing up and they, and they really have to be cared for by, by the parents because they don't really function well. They're not, um, in the worst case, they don't function well. But we have one in 36, so what caused that? And I've seen the studies on this, and it's demonstrable when you when you think of something as what is the most likely, what is it, what has changed most since 1980 that's affected children to cause them to have autism? You know, have we changed the diet in America, really? Well, maybe we eat more junk food, but there was plenty of junk food back then. Um, what is it? Are there more pesticides that we're using, uh, insecticides on the food? All these can, c- could contribute. Could it be the injections? And of course, the pharmaceutical companies have denied it has anything to do with that because they would be personally liable. But and that's why, as a matter of fact, they have a uh, in the Prep Act, which was uh, the act of, of signed in 1986 by Reagan that gave the the pharmaceutical companies um, the ability to produce these products and not be liable for any. Uh, health damages they caused. So the pharmaceutical companies don't want to get blamed for anything. And they know, statistically, we know that there's a direct correlation between the increased number of injections in for as far as vaccines and autism. And autism is on a scale. So you can have people that maybe they have ADHD because the b- vaccines have adversely affected their their, uh, their brain development. Remember, the brain doesn't develop till you're about 22 years of age. So if these children are getting all these chemicals in their system uh, in the form of vaccines, you're getting that, what kind of adverse effect is that having uh, on those people that don't get autism, but maybe they're on, that, they're on the scale somewhere down the line, it's having an effect on them. So I tell you that because you can't do anything uh, to reverse that necessarily, I mean, if, once you take these vaccines, it has the potential of calling, causing serious health problems. So you really need to think long and hard about what, how much, how many, and or if any vaccines you want to give your children. Just to give you an example of this, um, in the Amish community, there is no autism in, in the Amish community. And the Amish community doesn't go to conventional doctors and they don't take any vaccines. There is no documented Amish child with autism that that is unvaccinated. So that tells you there. Now, I don't know if they diagnose ADHD with these kids or not, but uh, this may be one of the causes that we see some of the hyperactivity or uh, or the attention deficit disorders may be due to the vaccines. Mm-hmm. And, and here's where here's where you can find some good work on that. Go to Sherry Tenpenny, Doctor Sherry S H E R I Tenp 
Penny, T-E-N-P-E-N-N-Y, the way it sounds. She's written uh, she's written voluminous works on that. Or you could go to Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, uh, substack.com, Steve Kirsch, substack.com. And he's, he's done some amazing, he's a, he's a very wealthy, he's an, he's independently wealthy and he has studied the COVID vaccine and now all the vaccines and has appeared before the, uh, the, uh, Pennsylvania, legislature to testify on the relationship between vaccines, what he's found through his statistical studies between the vaccines and autism. So we tell you that just to, to, to let you know, you need to be really concerned about your children or grandchildren and what they're, what, and what the conventional world uh, is telling them to put into their bodies in the form of vaccines. Totally agreed. So, uh, so anyway, we have the the problem with ADHD. What other what other what other what else could cause it? Tell us about hormones and, and the effect that it could potentially have on um, a person's emotional stability, their their cognitive ability, their attention, their hyperactivity. So, ADHD is not just a problem for children, but it isn't a problem that can continue well into adulthood. About forty to sixty percent of children that have ADHD will retain that diagnosis into adulthood. And as you were speaking, you know, and then as we get older, we tend to have lower amounts of hormones. Um, uh, predominantly hypothyroidism is a big issue. We talk about thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone is very important for um, energy production and metabolism. And, you know, the brain is one of the most high energy use organs out there. And so if you're not getting adequate blood flow to your brain, if the mitochondria aren't being stimulated by adequate thyroid hormone. And as you've discussed so many times before, adequacy of thyroid hormone doesn't necessarily um, manifest in lab work. It's manifested um, clinically. clinically. And so um, that's one of the things that we address here. Uh, oh, let me mention something on the thyroid. One of... One thought is, in some cases of ADHD, and mind you, there could be a number of different causes, as we talked about. It could be toxic causes. It could be nutritional causes. It could be allergies. Um, to, histamine is is a uh, neural re, is neuroreactive, and uh, it when people secrete histamine, and that happens when people have allergy disorders, either the inhaled allergies, weed tree, grass pollens, dust mite mold spore, animal dinners, or foods, they secrete histamine, and that affects the brain. And that can cause a child or an adult to have, um, to feel poorly. And in, and in children and in adults, too, it can affect their cognitive ability to focus and have, uh, be attentive, or it could affect them and cause them to be hyperactive. We see this particularly in little kids um, that have food allergies. And the common foods are wheat, corn, egg, milk, yeast, and soybean. Sugar is another food that can, is, a, is highly inflammatory, and we know that with kids, and you do too, uh, folks. When you give your kids too much sugar, you say, my gosh, they're bouncing off the walls, you know? So in some way, that has an adverse effect, can have an adverse effect on a child's behavior. But 
in foods, it can be a common food. Wheat, corn, egg, milk, yeast, and soybean are the big six. They're in all the com- they're in all the packaged foods, so people can easily get allergic to something if they keep repeating. If they have allergic diet disorder in their genes, genetically predisposed to allergies, and they have allergic, uh, they're allergic to the to weed, tree, grass, pollen, dust mite, mold, spores. They're also going to have some concomitant food allergies, and those foods can turn uh, a child's behavior on and turn it off. We used to test children here years ago when I was strictly in allergy practice. We used to test them with various foods. We'd give them drops under their tongue of different dilutions of foods, and we could literally turn on and off hyperactive behavior in a child. And then we would give the parents the neutralizing dose, and they'd take that home whenever the child acted up, they could give them that neutralizing dose. So foods can cause a problem. Mm-hmm. So toxins, foods can cause a problem. Uh, vaccines can cause a problem. Uh, hormonal deficiencies can cause a problem. Mm-hmm. I was going to tell you, we, we have, I've, I've seen this before in children in red where some doctors promoted the theory that the reason children become hyperactive is because their immune system, their, their, uh, their thyroid function is so low intracellularly that they feel tired. And the only way they can stay alert is to be active, mm-hmm. overactive. And what we've treated successfully in some children by giving them thyroid medication, it calmed them down, mm-hmm. which is interesting. So um, well, what other problems would we see with that? And, and of course, we know that the hormones have a significant impact on your brain function and your neurotransmitters, particularly uh, in women. Progesterone is very profound, has a profound effect of calming the, the brain function. It calms things down because it stimulates the GABA system, which is gamma amino butyric acid. Just know it as GABA. And that, it, that has a calming effect on a person's emotional status. And when we give women who are low in progesterone, have progesterone deficiency, you give them that, it's a godsend. Mm-hmm. It just changes their behavior. So um, the hormones do have an impact on that. What else? Um, so in just general nutritional um, sufficiency. So making sure that you have adequate amount of good protein to support neurotransmitter development. Um, macronutrients, including fat, to help with um, cognitive function. Most people don't realize most of your brain is made of fat and covers the you know your neurons, which is the wiring of your brain. And having adequate amount of complex carbohydrates can be beneficial as well. So you know everybody's a little bit different in their needs for those things, but that's very important. Stabilizing blood sugar. Um, is very important for people with ADHD because it's when you have these swings in so, blood sugar. And they've done insulin um, glucose tolerance testing for people with ADHD, and there was a variety of different responses, but none of them were normal. And so when, in order to maintain adequate energy to the brain, you have to have a balanced diet and, and eat in a, an appropriate fashion so that you don't get hypoglycemic or low blood sugar. That can then generate the production or secretion of some neurotransmitters like epinephrine or norepinephrine, which is adrenaline to, uh, to some people, or noradrenaline, which then increases agitation and hyperactivity in and of itself. So that becomes very important. And then there are some um, nutraceuticals that are being very beneficial. One of the other 
manifestations, the, the, the actual um, studies that have been done is looking at electroencephalograms. And so measuring the brain waves of people that have ADHD and don't have ADHD, and they have a higher theta to beta ratio. So theta is sort of that dreamlike state or daydreaming state, and beta is uh, the active concentration and focus. And so um, people with ADHD have a higher amount of theta in relationship to beta. And so there are some nutraceuticals that can actually um, change that. One of the things that we offer here uh, is also um, something called microcurrent neurofeedback or ISS microcurrent neurofeedback, which helps to strengthen that the beta brain waves and, and make the theta brain waves a more appropriate in, in times where it's more appropriate. So there's a variety of different things that we can do from um, counseling people through nutrition, through dealing with environmental toxicity. And that includes um, environment is the external environment. So the, 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 the homes that we live in, the streets that we walk upon, but it's also our internal environment, which is our gut microbiota dealing with infections like candida and things like that. And then, um, you know, also helping people to understand the importance of physical activity. That's another deficiency that we have as a culture. And our children spend hours in front of the, not just right. the, the screams, but playing video games and things like that. But they don't spend enough time outside using their own imagination, creating their own um, dopamine hits that um, they would be much more appropriate. And we know that actually things like um, that are disciplined, Sports, um, disciplined activities like martial arts have been found to be very beneficial in giving kids that structure that they need and, and t teaching them discipline apart from, but that doesn't absolve parents of what they're supposed to be doing as well. So, um, so there's a, a variety of different things and we honor each person's biochemical individuality, each person's unique experiences to tailor a program for them to um, help them where they are in their, on that spectrum of neuroatypia. So. Well, this has been a fascinating program, and your insights, um, Jason, are just really great, and I appreciate you sharing with, with us today. If you have a problem uh, where you think that you're having some cognitive problems, whether you're not able to focus clearly, maybe you've got brain fog, maybe you're hyperactive and you can't sit still, maybe your kids are having some problems, uh, with that. Nobody is born with an Adderall deficiency. And those, any drugs that would, would be used to treat this disorder would be the last, last thing that we would do here. It would be the last measure. We're going to do everything we can to try to address uh, underlying probable causes of uh, the ADHD uh, syndrome, knowing that very likely by addressing either the potentials of toxicity and helping detoxify the body, replenishing hormones um, and, and uh, foods, treating allergies, all this can have a positive effect on a person's underlying um, behavioral disorders positively and help them improve. So if you need some help, don't hesitate to give us a call here at the Hootsie Health and Wellness Center. And numbers on the line, we'd be glad to help you. Thank you so much. God bless each one of you. At Physicians Preference Pharmacy, we understand that the quality of your compounded medications directly affects the way you feel. 
which is why we believe that your pharmacy should specialize in compounding medications while also delivering extraordinary hospitality and guest service. We believe that both patients and prescribers should accept nothing less than consistency and quality from their compounding pharmacy. This is why we've implemented some of the strictest quality standards in compounding, exceeding standard requirements, achieving PCAB accreditation, which is the Pharmacy Compounding Accreditation Board, an organization that sets the highest standards in compounding pharmacy regarding the safety, cleanliness, and quality of your compounded prescriptions. Because of our commitment to complete health and wellness, we are dedicated to making your medications free of lactose, parabens, artificial sweeteners, and any unnecessary dyes, binders, or fillers present in many other medications, offering you the cleanest products possible. Information provided on this program is neither intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice and is not intended to replace the services of a physician, nor does it constitute a doctor-patient relationship. You should not use information from this radio program to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without consulting with a qualified health care provider. If you have or suspect you have an urgent medical problem, promptly contact a professional health care provider or call 911. Dr. Hotze's Wellness Revolution advises you to always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified health provider prior to starting any new treatment or with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Any application of the recommendations from this program is at the listener's discretion.